Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the ELT CPD podcast. I'm super excited today to be talking to Emily Bryson. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be speaking to you as well. Yeah, I'm excited to be speaking to someone uh, who else is living in Scotland. It yeah, I know. <laughs> so unique to be speaking to someone in the same country. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for uh, making time to come on and chat. Uh, maybe let's start by thinking about your ELT history and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. Okay, so I started teaching in Poland, actually, in about 2000 or 2001 it was on my summer holidays from university and it was a summer camp and we went there for a month and then at the end of the month we got a lovely tour around Poland um, and then I went after university to South Korea I taught there for a year taught young learners which was really good fun and after South Korea I did a bit of traveling around South America and then came home and did my CELTA and started teaching at a college I have now been teaching at that college for 15 years. Wow. Um, And I am just about to leave that college, which is a bit scary, actually, after I feel like I've been a bit institutionalised in a way after being there for so long. And I've had so many lovely students. I teach students from refugee backgrounds, students seeking asylum and adults. And I've just met so many people from around the world that are really inspiring and have just the most incredible stories. And I've learned so much about them and their cultures and yeah they're brilliant so I'm a bit sad to be leaving but that's where I am um, yeah but yeah I did lots of secondments there um ESOL network project coordinating different ESOL providers across Glasgow um a secondment with Education Scotland who are the kind of government agency in Scotland for uh, I was kind of the ESOL policy or the ESOL development officer there working on policy etc liaising with MSPs, members of Scottish Parliament. And then I did a secondment at the Scottish Refugee Council as well when I was there. So lots of secondments. Yeah, lots of them. And yeah, just great your, your institution that you're you're working in and, and the type of students that you're teaching, do you sort of have them for an extended period of time? So do you get to see their progress? Sort of yeah. So I, yeah, so I'll see them for a year, but then occasionally, yeah, start in August, finish in um, June. But what's quite nice is that I'll see them maybe a couple of years later. Like, for example, this year I had somebody that I taught at beginner level mm-hmm. three or four years ago in my intermediate class. And I was like, oh, amazing, you're here now. It's so nice to see that you've progressed up these levels. So, And then you'll meet them sometimes in the street and somebody that was in your intermediate class is now like managing a care home or somebody randomly contacted me out of the blue saying oh I'm working in the accounts department of Glasgow City Council so <laughs> yeah it's nice to see you as well Definitely, yeah. yeah and you also write materials as well yeah yeah, yeah. so um I guess I started off doing that for the British Council and then I did, a bit, did quite a lot of supplementary content for Macmillan and uh, now National Geographic Learning so I wrote two of the Voices series books Pre-Intermediate and Beginner And I'm working on a new uh, title for, well, I'm working on a different book for National Geographic Learning at the moment. So, yeah. How do you find the time to juggle all of this? (laughs) Well, I'm part-time at the college, which helps, obviously. Uh, And then the writing's kind of part-time as well. Uh But yeah, there are some weeks that I think, ah, my husband comes through at half past eight at night. Are you still working? Yes. 
<laughs> I think I, I think my brain just goes into like work mode and I just get into the zone and here I am still writing and it just it's hard to sometimes just switch off and I think I just enjoy it too much in a way yeah and then I've got my courses as well my uh, my website which has uh, courses and graphic facilitation and visual uh, basically English language teaching uh, training development courses or training and development courses for language teachers with a kind of visual twist Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you sort of get into that? Where where did the interest come from for that? Uh, okay, so that initially started actually when I was at on my comment at Scottish Refugee Council. So I didn't realise it at the time, but one of the trainers there was using a lot of graphic facilitation techniques. Like she would pin up um the a flip chart on the on a wall with like a giant kind of spider web, I suppose. And then she would get people to come and put their feedback, like the beginning, middle of the spider web would be a zero and then the outer um, bits of the web would be a five. And they would write their feedback on what did you think about this? What did you think about that? To kind of evaluate it. And then actually, I don't know if you've seen my um, feedback fairy. It's not my feedback fairy. It's actually Martha Harding from the Scottish Refugee Council. That's She's the first person that I saw using it. And... Um, I don't actually know where the source of this is. So if anybody ever does find out, I would love to know. Um, but yes, yeah, she, she introduced me to the feedback fairy, which is basically instead of asking or giving somebody a, a quiz at the end of a, a workshop or an event, you'll draw, for example, a little fairy. Uh, the wand is something you would wish for. They've got a toolbox for something you would take away. There's a little thought bubble for what did you think? There's a little speech bubble for what would you tell others? The love heart in the middle for what did you love? It just made, and then people can add it by writing on it or uh, adding their post-it notes. Just makes it a bit more interactive. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first dabbles, I suppose, with it, seeing it. And I just thought that's a really cool way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And then I went to went back to the college and there was a teacher training day there and a graphic facilitator came and started uh, showing us really simple ways to draw. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't drawn for years. Like I drew at school and I was pretty good at drawing at school. In fact, my art teacher told me off because I took PE in my fourth year instead of my, instead of art. And it's kind of one of my biggest regrets. I always wish I'd stayed on to do two final years. But yeah, I wonder where I would be if I'd done that. But um, yeah, I stopped drawing after high school. Uh, Went to university, stopped drawing. Life got really serious. You had to write essays, etc. And then, yeah, basically didn't really draw anything until this graphic facilitator came back to the college, uh, came to the college. And she would draw, she drew things like, for example, um, students would be just like a double m shape with like four little o's on top if you can imagine that mm-hmm. and that was four people or two people would be an m with like an o on top of each m does that make sense yeah 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 like, yeah, yeah. So instead um, of drawing like stick people yeah instead of drawing stick people because actually stick people can get kind of confused with lettering in a way because they're just little lines mm-hmm. and i think also, you can maybe be a bit more gender neutral with using like a kind of N shape with a line underneath it. Yeah. Because sure. a stick person, yeah, you've kind of got, yeah, you can, yeah, you can be either more gender neutral or yeah. gender exclusive or inclusive in a way. You can be a bit more um, 
make it a bit more interesting as well and a bit more kind of clever looking, I suppose. So um, the polygraphic facilitation is for the teacher and the student. Is that the sort of relationship that it would be involved in? Or could it be student to student? Or... It can be anything, really. Okay. Like, I, I never force my students to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I When I first got into graphic facilitation, I actively encouraged my students to draw. But over time, I kind of, I didn't want to force them. So I, I, over time, I, it became a, I will draw. And if you want to draw too, you can. And But it kind of became organic. Like, they would just start copying me without me asking because I'd created a welcoming space where it was okay to draw things and it was okay to draw things kind of roughly. And like on a whiteboard, drawings never look as nice as they would on like a digital tablet or if you've drawn them really neatly and you've taken lots of time and care on them on a nice flat, nice clean sheet of A4. On a whiteboard, they just always look a bit grubby. And I think that's okay. It is okay, 100% okay. And it makes it less intimidating sure. if it's like that as well. Mm-hmm. For, and yeah, so is for, it used to sort of explain concepts or maybe vocabulary points or grammar points or, or what is the purpose of it? in the For class? everything. Okay. For, yeah, you can use it for all sorts of things. Um, for, for Yeah, you can use like a visual template for grammar. Like, for example... If I'm doing present simple or actually even past simple, I'll do uh oh like if you can it's quite hard talking about visual thinking without drawing or showing you anything for a podcast. Um so if you can imagine like a a vertical line and then us like a semicircle on top, as if you were drawing like the sun rising over the the sea, for example. And then treat that as like 12 hours in a day. Like that's that's your day. And then you cut it into segments. So you've got morning, afternoon, and evening into three chunks. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, then you can kind of doodle like different activities for daily habits. And then you can talk about what did you do? I or, or you could you could do it for past tense or you can do it for present tense. So mm-hmm. every day I get up in the morning, I, I go to work in the afternoon, I eat dinner in the evening, and you'll have like a little doodle, like um, a burger for food, for example, and you just keep it really, really simple. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to a teacher who is maybe reluctant to use it because maybe they cut like myself, I can't draw yeah. at all. So like a burger might not look like a burger in my case. So do you need to be able to draw to do this? So it, so graphic facilitation is about kind of developing your visual vocabulary. And we talk about visual vocabulary because it's similar to learning how to read and write and similar to acquiring a new language. You're developing your language skills. You're developing your visual vocabulary skills. So one of the first things I learned how to draw was a light bulb, which Mm. is basically like a U-shape with a circle on top and then an M in the middle for the filament of the light bulb and then a Z for the kind of screw-in bit. Okay. I wouldn't even think about doing that. (laughs) (laughs) If you you follow me on Facebook or or, or Instagram, etc., or Twitter, I do have a little video. One of my reels on Instagram is a little video of how to draw a light bulb. That's probably the easiest way to find it. Um, But yeah, so learning little icons and then you can build on those. 
Okay. And like, for example, that light bulb one that I was talking about, you can use it for so many things. Like you can use it for creativity. You can use it for critical thinking. You can use it for ideas. You could draw it really big on a flip chart and have people add their ideas to it. Um, if you're if you're doing like a brainstorming session, mm-hmm. but yeah, so developing your visual vocabulary is all about learn learn and learning to draw is about learning to draw simple icons, and they're all made up of lines, circles, squares. And once you know more of them, then you can communicate effectively, just like learning a language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and would you say that it's also maybe more accessible in some ways because obviously learners learn in different ways, and if we're thinking about different processing abilities perhaps that that might be more inclusive in some ways than sort yeah. of having lengthy text or, or something else for example yeah 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 so it reduces processing load because you're basically if you're taking a text and then you're adding doodles to it or breaking it down into a sketch note for example or an infographic there's a reason why infographics are popular and it's because people don't really like reading I think I remember like working at a restaurant years ago and people would it was um, the chefs would always be like, ah, he's not reading. He's just like looking at the pictures. And that's what I do when I read a newspaper half the time. Headlines and pictures. It's the same with infographics. And there's a, um, oh, what are they called? TESOL graphics on uh, Twitter. Uh, I think it's just at TESOL graphics. And they basically take academic texts and make them into like academic research papers and make them into infographics. Wow. brilliant um yeah so I, I love that yes pro- yeah, basically reduces processing load and and it makes things more accessible I had a student last year who I guess he wasn't really an ESOL literacy learner he was Nigerian mm-hmm. and he already spoke good English but he really wanted to be in a class to learn how to read and write so he was in my ESOL literacy class and he said to me at a guidance meeting um you know I've been to so many classes before on teaching me how to read and write as an adult. And yours is the one that makes the most sense because of the little drawings that you do on your whiteboard. I'm like, oh, that's so good to hear. That's so Because you can have a whole whiteboard full of words or you can have a whiteboard full of um, words and text. Definitely, definitely. So, so you would accompany, say you were drawing, let's say the light bulb and I don't know, the phrases critical thinking you would write the text alongside yeah perhaps to help them remember it as well as yeah and a lot of my students have um maybe don't know how to read and write in their first language Mm -hmm. they have limited um schooling so actually if I was to say to them oh can you write it in your first language they wouldn't like can you write a translation so I was finding that students would go home with like notebooks were just meaningless lists of words but if they can quickly doodle it or if they've got a worksheet that I've doodled or I mean even if you give them images in general like photos or worksheets that have images in them picture dictionaries for example then it's going to be much more supportive than just a list of words for them to take home Absolutely. But yeah, I find I find that a lot of my students did just start copying my simple doodles or were like, teacher, you show me how to do this. <laughs> because they also call me teacher. They don't call me Emily. I don't know if you find that with your students. I don't know if it's just where mine are from, but it's true, it's true. But it also makes you a memorable teacher because they'll always yeah. that teacher who used to doodle or sketch help me with Yeah. And they'll associate 
that with you as well which is is great yeah yeah and they'll take they'll take photos of my of my whiteboards and mm-hmm. then they've got them for forever exactly it's really yeah nice. no matter how messy they are and they're not tidy I'm not gonna lie they're not always beautiful they're not tidy so. but that's what makes them good <laughs> that's what makes them good they're they're effective it's so it's always it's not art it's communication Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely so and yeah you sort of um sketching people's um like a summary of people's ideas at conferences or webinars yeah. like that so is, is that in sort of a, a similar realm or does it have a different name it is in a similar realm but it is different so mm-hmm. I guess there's a kind of it's hard to kind of picture it all because it's all kind of interlinked in a way but like graphic facilitations about using pictures and visual metaphors and visual templates and visual capture sheets which are similar to that spider diagram I just um, I, I described earlier that's kind of graphic facilitation like the tools that you use to facilitate a session like a workshop or teacher training or a class mm-hmm. whereas uh, sketch noting is more in the visual recording um, realm so visual recording and actually if, if you search online for a visual recording you'll see like big people with big sheets of paper and they're like drawing meetings and taking meeting notes mm-hmm. live during a conference and I'd absolutely love to be able to do that I'm not I don't think I'm quite there yet I'm, I'm, I'm good on digital I'm good in my notebook I've got my little comfort zone but so yeah. you mean they're, they're drawing whilst they're speaking so they're yeah doing it. okay that's yeah cool. yeah yeah, and I guess some and I have done that in class and one like to take notes of what my students are saying, but not all the time. Um, but yeah, like sketch noting is part of visual recording. That's visual note taking. Okay, so it's a bit different. Yeah, and same it, but different. It's the similar. It's got the same visual vocabulary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you'll maybe use things like in a sketch note. You'd maybe use like the same tool. Like maybe you'd use like a journey, like a roadmap within yeah. the sketch note. That would be a visual template that you would use in graphic facilitation. So there is crossover, mm-hmm. but same but different. Yeah. yeah. And and so would it be, I'm, I'm imagining it now, so it would be like a road, so say you were listening to a conference talk, so you'd have a roadmap of the order of things that they were saying. Like yeah. Program. Would you, again, include language, so written words and drawings alongside it to help you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, written words, and so it's kind of sketch note in a way. It's kind of key takeaways and little doodles to kind of support them. Mm-hmm. And the doodles are kind of visual cues. Like actually, when I started sketch noting, well, when I'll tell you about my journey in note taking at conferences. So when I first started going to IATEFL, which is the main conference I go to every year, I took so many notes in my notebook, just a paper notebook, and I never looked at them again. Yeah, they just went. <laughs> somewhere on my desk I might be able to find it one day when I'm tidying up who knows um and then so the previous next years I decided I would start taking notes on my phone so I used like do you have like ink pad notepad or some sort of yeah uh, like I'm google notes or something yeah I started taking notes on those and I occasionally searched for it online but generally just lived on my phone and never got looked at ever again but then when I started sketch noting it I could picture it in my head, exactly that talk, mm-hmm. because of the doodles that I'd used. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, a one for John Hughes, I think it was um, 
seven steps for creativity in the classroom. And it was obviously I'd drawn seven little steps and I can picture some of the little doodles on it. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to have to try this for sure. It's, it's so good. It's so good for memory. And then because I look at them, I share them all on social media. So I'll see them often. And so it reminds me as well. So yeah, yeah. That's really, really good for, for professional development as well. Because like you said, you're yeah. going to learn. But taking these notes, I know, again, just like you, I, I don't often read through them unless it's something specific, like a contact, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I think doing it visually would, would be really good. And maybe anyone who's listening to this episode could try and draw a summary of <laughs> what. Yeah, yeah. I know we should have asked them to sketch note it from the very beginning. Yeah. Go back and listen from the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe the, the horizon that you mentioned with the tenses as well I might give that a go and, and put a picture of it oh yeah it so actually on my mailing list a couple of weeks ago I shared a visual template for narrative tenses so it's like a because um, I always struggle to get my students to understand narrative tenses uh-huh. so this visual template was basically in representation we use this roadmap quite a lot so it's like mm-hmm. a m shape for the hills in the background and then like a little road going into the background and so that for me was a past perfect no past continuous Mm -hmm. so like for example I was sitting on the bus Mm -hmm. and that's the background information because I think a lot of students don't really get the background information part of the narrative tenses like this is what's happening in the background but when they saw it when I drew it for my students there was like ah they were actually making those kind of ah noises which was good. And then the past perfect is like an arrow in front of another arrow. And then past simple, lots of little down arrows, because there's lot, usually quite a lot of past simple things happening in a narrative tense kind of story, isn't there? So I don't and know. Yes. If that's, no, yeah. I can, I can visualise it. And again. Okay. Yeah. I so that was part of something that I just sent my email list a couple of weeks ago. I tried to send them little visual templates that I've been using in class or that have come up with randomly. Mm-hmm. so where can people see some of your sketches do you, you run a course is that right yeah I've got a few courses now and I've got a few more in my head that I'm that will hopefully come out later this year <laughs> I've got like yeah like graphic grammar I want to make that into a course I've got enough content like that um to make a course out of like one for teaching ESL literacy with doodles as well uh, one for curriculum planning etc so it's quite quite good for setting your team down and making like a scheme of work, et cetera, using visual tools for that. Um, what else? Sorry, what I've lost what your question was there. Yeah, where, where, oh, yeah, my courses. Yeah, where can people um, join your courses? And are they sort of self-study or are you involved in it? Is it something that, that runs in sort of a group program? Yeah, at the moment, uh, self-study. But I'm hoping to run. I did have run a couple of group programs and I really enjoyed doing them and I got really good feedback on them. People loved them. I just haven't had time because I'm working on too many projects at the moment. So I will do the group program when I have more time. If you sign up to my mailing list, you'll be the first to know about it. Um, And the courses are available at emilybrysonelt.com. You can sign up to those whenever you want. There's a Facebook group where you can share your work and I'm always available via email or various socials if you want to share your work with me. I always enjoy seeing what people come up with because 
I've definitely seen lots more people starting to do it as well. Post IA TEFL this year, I've noticed that people were draw, like doing sketch notes and posting them on LinkedIn. And it was really, really great to see. And yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely will do that with my next talk and, and share it with you. <laughs> yeah, fun. yeah. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm hearing more and more people using it. So definitely. Yeah. Um, so have you managed to, or is it possible to get sort of like when you have when you're writing your teachers books or when you're writing your materials for example is it possible to get graphic facilitation in there in any way have you found a way to get it yeah so actually the voices sustainable development goals um worksheets I've got a couple of graphic organizers in there Mm um and I did so well yeah, I'm working on my, I'm hoping to get more graphic facilitation sort of visual templates in. I've got a few leads on that that might be able to set me up with creating some templates, etc. for publishers. So, yes. Amazing. Amazing. I think that's po- possible. But yeah, um, I, yeah things like, I've, I've got like little graphic organizers and visual templates and things like that in bits of supplementary content at the moment. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see more of it as well. You yeah, know. yeah. Like blog posts of the British Council, Cambridge University Press, blog posts, blog blog for Ellie.com. I blog for Ellie.com quite frequently, um, twice a month. So if you go to Emily Bryson and Ellie.com, Ellie with two L's and two I's, and okay. there's lots of uh, little graphic facilitation ideas on there too, and on my blog at EmilyBrysonELT.com. Perfect. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing I feel like I've learned so much from this episode so I know that everybody listening will definitely have learned so much as well um and yeah I will share links to um the blogs that you mentioned and your website and the the course sign up as well for anybody who wants to do that um thank you so much for chatting and it was so great speaking to you oh thank you thank you